Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 81. Thank you for deciding to spend time with me today. I really feel very privileged to have this opportunity and platform where I can speak with thought leaders and innovators who come onto this program. And I'm also really grateful for the opportunity to have this time with you. We have thousands of downloads of every episode, and that amounts to thousands of hours of time that's allocated by listeners to tune into these conversations. Time is our most precious asset, and I never want to waste a moment of your time or that of our guests. And it's a responsibility that I take very seriously. I'm always thinking of ways to best serve you and your interests. I really appreciate the feedback I get online and in person when we have a chance to connect. And if you'd like to reach out, please do so by hitting me on Twitter at dhealthtoday or email me at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, we're in our ninth season, and I've been looking forward to sharing this conversation with you since I first connected with my guest at the CNS Summit in Boca Raton in Florida last November. You've heard me mention the CNS Summit in other episodes, and there's no question that it's one of the top meetings I recommend people check out. It's organized by Amir Kalali, who's been a guest on this program a couple of times so far in episode 60 and again in episode 70. Last year, 2018, was the first time that I've attended the CNS Summit, and I was blown away by the sessions the attendees, the exhibitors, the organization, the connections that were made during the four days of this conference. I really think you should check it out. It's being held October 31st to November 3rd this year, 2019. And you can find out more at cnssummit.org. Now, for full disclosure, I'm not getting paid to say this about CNS Summit. I sometimes wonder if people think that by advocating for some of these events that I'm, I'm getting paid. Let me clarify. I'm not getting paid by Amir or anyone else to say this about the CNS Summit. I was just blown away after attending this meeting or, and while attending this meeting, and I wanted to share my views on it. Today, we're taking on the topic of digital therapeutics. And at the CNS Summit last year, Digital Therapeutics was on the agenda, and I had the opportunity to meet my next guest. And really, there's no one better, I feel, to inform us about what's happening across the digital therapeutics industry than she is. My guest is Megan Coder. She's the founder and executive director of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. The Digital Therapeutics Alliance, or DTA as you may hear it called, was launched in 2017 to broaden the understanding, adoption, and integration of clinically validated digital therapeutic solutions into mainstream healthcare through education, advocacy, and research. The emphasis here is on the clinically validated part. That's important. Megan has more than a decade of experience in the healthcare industry. She's held roles that span from direct delivery of patient care to leading the strategic growth within the digital health sector. Prior to the Digital Therapeutics Alliance, Megan worked for Valentis, Iodine, the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association, and the Pharmacy Technician Certification Board. She's a qualified pharmacist and a proud graduate from the University of Wisconsin. We had another guest from the University of Wisconsin on a while back, Dale Bierman, who's the founder of Think Pacifica. He was a guest back on episode 63. So for Dale and Megan, I'll just say, go Badgers. You can get the show notes and all the links that we mentioned in this episode by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 81. Be sure to check that out. We have a link there for the industry report that Megan talks about. You can also go directly to the Digital Therapeutics Alliance website to get that report, but we do have it available in the show notes for this episode. While you're there, I'd love it if you subscribe to our updates and if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Actually, speaking of which, just a quick shout out to Jed from White Oak Communications. Thanks for your review. We're up to 37 reviews on iTunes in the US App Store, and we always love more. It's a great way to help others hear about our guests 
And if you have any other feedback about things you would like us to do on the show, please do reach out to me on the Twitters or on email at dan@digitalhealthtoday.com. Okay, now let's tune into the conversation with Megan Coder from the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. Megan, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here today. Megan, we're going to start off with a definition of what we're talking about here. We need to define what digital therapeutics is. Can you help me? Indeed, I would love to. So digital therapeutics, by nature, deliver evidence-based therapeutic interventions to patients uh, that are really meant to prevent, manage, or treat a medical disease or disorder. So they're different than peer play adherence or peer play diagnostic tools and a variety of other products. But the main purpose of a digital therapeutic is to use software to generate an intervention specifically for a patient that, again, is in that disease space area to really make sure that we have outcomes that are measurable and we can really grow from that in terms of how digital therapeutics then are being used in patient care across the board. All right. So let's dive into what some of those things are because medical and healthcare apps have been around since app stores began, since about 2008 when the app store opened up. This is beyond apps and simply software. How long has digital therapeutics sort of been in development? I know sometimes called digiceuticals uh, not that long ago. What's sort of the background of the history of how it's evolved to the point where we are today? So health and wellness apps have been on the market for quite some time. And they're really prolific in nature. Uh, when we're looking at digital therapeutics, we're looking at a much more narrow segment of that digital health industry. So digital therapeutics stand apart from digital health apps uh, while still under that umbrella yet. But there are a number of companies in this space, such as WellDoc or Omada or Propeller Health, who have really been in this digital therapeutic space for probably a good uh, five to eight years, plus or minus. So it isn't necessarily a new category, but now the rate that this field is starting to evolve has really started to increase. And we're hearing a lot more about other companies coming in to develop products and serve patients in a way that really addresses medical issues, as opposed to just tracking or monitoring them. They're actually delivering interventions to patients now using a digital platform. So that aspect isn't necessarily a new thing, but is definitely evolving much more quickly than we've seen in the past. And digital therapeutics, do they work entirely independent of medicines or do they sometimes work alongside a traditional prescription medicine? Both is the answer. So there okay. are some that are standalone where they will be used independent of any medication or therapy, but then there's others that will be a companion or a counterpart to a medication. And that medication could be a class of medications. So you may have digital therapeutics that are helping with insulins in general, or you have may have digital therapeutics that are specific to one specific type of inhaler or asthma medication. So there is a variety of digital therapeutics already out there, and that variety is only going to continue to grow. And is there a difference between digital therapeutics and what I've sometimes heard called prescription digital therapeutics? So similar to how digital therapeutics are a subset of digital health, prescription digital therapeutics are a subset of this digital therapeutic category. One of the things that DTA did this past year was create an industry definition of what even is a digital therapeutic. But then we also put together a categorization of the types of products that are out there in the digital therapeutic market space. So some of those are in that prescription-only space, some of them are over-the-counter. So you need to have regulatory clearance to be able to market your product, 
but you don't need a prescription to do so. And then others on the other side of the spectrum are direct to consumer. So there's no prescription needed and regulatory agencies have decided based upon the level of claims being made that it isn't necessary to actually enforce uh, regulatory oversight for those products. So the moral of the story, there is a spectrum. Uh, You could have a prescription digital therapeutic, but you can also have one that's direct to consumer or even over the counter, similar to the medication framework that we're mostly familiar with. Great. Yeah. And you mentioned the DTA, Digital Therapeutics Alliance. We're going to come on to that towards the end of the program about some of the things that are there. But I know that you do have a large body of work and a PDF that's available through the website that describes some of this. So we can talk about that. So what types of software? I mean, is it really strictly apps that we're talking about here? I mean, apps are so commonplace. Is that really the basis of digital therapeutics now? So we as an industry are trying to get away from the terminology of an app. So in general, while these may have an app-based format, and that's how a patient engages with them, they're much more than just a peer play app. So digital therapeutics, while there are many parallels to the drug realm, the way that they are designed and the way that they are validated and put forth into industry follows a lot of the pathway of a drug development process. Uh, But then there's also this idea that they are regulated often as a medical device but they also provide a service. So they fit three different categories in a different way. So if you look at a peer play health and wellness app, the goal is usually to help the patient or the consumer, the user, either feel better, do better, or do something else about their health that makes an improvement. When we're looking at digital therapeutics, that interface could look like an app, but there's much more behind it in terms of the algorithms being designed, the validation needing to prove that those algorithms are doing what they need to be doing so that the program can make the claims that they need to make. So there are a lot of factors that go into it and also a lot of components. So you could have extra devices plugging into a digital therapeutic. You could have a digital therapeutic generating algorithms and responses but the intervention could be delivered by a medication or even a person or a service or whatnot. So it's a complicated landscape. So just to reduce it to an app may not give it the legitimacy that it actually deserves. Okay. So it's a combination of a variety of different components, possibly hardware, possibly pharmaceuticals, possibly an app, a variety of different things that need to come together. You mentioned how they're validated. And you also said that some of the companies have been involved in five to eight years. So I imagine the FDA strategy has rolled out and evolved over this period at the same time. And I presume they've done that in concert with industry. Can you tell me a little bit about the background of the FDA strategy that's led up to where we are today and what we think and what we see is going to happen with the FDA and other regulators going forward? Most definitely. So I'm going to take it a few steps back. Um, The IMDRF is a group of international medical device regulatory agencies that have come together to start to identify what is software as a medical device. I think either 2007 or even earlier, they started to realize that these types of programs and tools were being designed in a way that doesn't necessarily match the traditional medical device format. So what we've been seeing in this industry is that traditional medical devices and drugs, once they're put on the market, they're much more unlikely to be improved or changed or modified once they're on the market. Whereas when you come to digital therapeutics, there's this iterative process where you are using real-world evidence to really ensure that the outcomes being delivered are the right ones and the consistency and the quality are there. So you'll much more often see these products being iterated and 
changed over time. So the IMDRF came together to start to put together framework around how do they assess what the safety and effectiveness is of these tools, both pre-market and then post-market. What groups like the FDA have done is just take that framework and start to implement it into their current regulatory process. So as of now, all digital therapeutics, depending on the level of claims they're making, go through the FDA's traditional medical device process. And that is, uh, in technical terms, the 510K or de novo processes, um, among a few others. So that process has been designed more for the standard medical device world that we generally have come to know. What has been changing now is the FDA has started to understand and start to realize what the value of these tools could be and how they could be iterated and changed over time. So they've implemented a pre-certification pilot program where it's similar to the TSA pre-check program in the United States, where a company would come in as a digital therapeutic company or other software as a medical device companies and prove that they have excellence in what they're doing in terms of the design of their products, the systems in place, and a number of other areas. And once they have this seal of excellence, for lack of a better word, then their products would go through different levels of clearance based upon that initial certification or approval. So it's a different way for the FDA to start to test different ideas in terms of how do they actually clear these products in a way that keeps up with their design process um, and then also enables customers and patients to have access to these in a much more quick way. What is one thing to note, though, is that this process is intended to maintain the integrity of the safety and effectiveness and all the clinical trials that are done by digital therapeutics. It's not meant to go around it or even lower the bar in any way, shape, or form. All right. So when an organization has gone through that process, what sort of solution, what kind of clearance will they receive? That has yet to be determined. So there's a few proposals out there. The FDA earlier this month released their next version of their framework in terms of how they see this process going. So my understanding is that these products will have the same level of clearance or recognition that they currently have, but the process itself will be much more fluid and adaptable to the design process and the way that companies are trying to bring these types of digital therapeutics to market. Okay. Yeah, well, that's an important thing, I guess, to keep an eye on in the industry. I know that you mentioned WellDoc. They have their Blue Star product and their solution, which they have touted as the first FDA-cleared mobile prescription therapy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's going back a little ways. I haven't seen their latest terminology around it. Nonetheless, I know that Achille has applied for FDA approval, and that is pending approval for their ADHD solution. And uh, there are a variety of other companies that are out there with pair therapeutics with their substance use disorder solution reset and propeller, who you mentioned, uh, which was just recently acquired. I think it was December 2018. They have a solution on asthma and COPD. So really getting some clarity about what the end game is in terms of bringing these to market is important from an industry standpoint. What is the response from pharmaceutical companies? How have they responded to this growing area of therapeutics? There's actually been a variety of responses. In general, I think the pharmaceutical industry really sees this as a significant opportunity and one that they want to be engaged in. There's been a number of questions around, is it a friend or foe? And I don't see a lot of pharmaceutical companies or life science companies seeing these tools necessarily as a foe, but I think there is confusion about the best ways for them to engage. So 
As of now, most of the relationships we've seen between digital therapeutic manufacturer companies and pharmaceutical companies has been through partnerships. So there are a number of partnerships being established right now where pharma companies will either work alongside of digital therapeutic companies or at least begin that process to understand what these products could do for the patients that the life science companies have are currently serving. Uh, one of the things that I've come to appreciate the most is a number of companies are starting to look at digital therapeutics as a way to address the entire patient's needs. So it's not just looking at here's our one molecule and here's how we're going to target it directly to this one specific need for a patient. But it's looking at, yes, we'll have that option available to us, but then we can also use digital therapeutics to start to treat some of the other issues and address some of the other concerns that patients have, be it from mobility to behavioral issues to depression and a variety of other aspects. So there are two ways, I guess, to look at it in that some pharma companies are looking at how do we pair our specific medication portfolio alongside a digital therapeutic to improve the use of that. Um, And then others are looking at digital therapeutics, possibly in that manner, but then also in how do we really enhance the entire patient's health and well-being and disease management. Yeah, I can see why that would be a concern in the industry. I mean, on the one hand, you have organizations in an industry like pharmaceutical where there could be a concern, sort of like the legend. It's not entirely factually uh, true, but there's the legend that explains some of the the reasons for the traffic issues in Los Angeles about GM actually acquiring the public transport system there. And there's some conjecture about how having GM, which manufactures cars, running a public transport system, why that explains why there is no public transport in Los Angeles. So you could almost wonder and rationalize, well, why would a pharmaceutical industry that depends on the sale of compounds and and molecules, why would they embrace something that's really designed to potentially disrupt their sale of their prescription medicines? Um, But on the other hand, as you pointed out, This is giving so much better understanding to the organizations about what their users are experiencing in terms of their environment, in terms of other aspects of their lives, their compliance, and feeding all of that in to the organization that's holding part of the responsibility for making sure that person is better and achieving the maximum quality of their health. That would seem to make sense that this is a great way that, that people should embrace. So I hope anyone who's out there who's in the pharmaceutical side and unsure about how to embrace it that they really should realize this is a great opportunity. Indeed. And I've seen a significant amount of collaboration and we're in a really fantastic place in this industry right now where everyone's excited and they want to do this for the right reasons. So it's been really, truly encouraging just to see all these companies working alongside of each other to really make sure that we're doing this in an evidence-based manner that ensures product integrity and really looks at the health and clinical economic outcomes for patients. So All together right now, it's been a really great period of time for this new industry to evolve, just seeing the amount of collaboration that has really already taken place and will continue to do so. Okay, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the work that's being done by the Digital Therapeutics Alliance and its members to really drive the industry forward. We'll do that after a word from our sponsors. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more from Megan Coder. Okay, we're back and we're speaking with Megan Coder, Executive Director of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. 
Megan, let's talk about the industry. You're a pharmacist by training. You launched the Digital Therapeutics Alliance at the Frontiers Health meeting in Berlin in November 2017, which is another great meeting, frankly, that I highly recommend people attend. You've launched DTA with a global mindset and a global approach. You and your members have clearly embraced the international opportunities and the challenges from the outset. Tell me about the organization itself and a little more about some of the members who have helped get this off the ground. With the Alliance, we came together as a group of organizations and stakeholders really dedicated to this idea that if this new industry is going to really fulfill its purposes in terms of creating meaningful tools and products that are going to deliver meaningful outcomes to patients, that we need to have consistency in the industry. So what we've been looking at are ways to define this industry together and ways to establish core principles that all digital therapeutic products and manufacturers must adhere to really to ensure that idea of safety, quality, and effectiveness across the board. So what we've been trying to do is really establish consistency in the way that regulatory agencies understand these products, in the way that payers start to assess these tools, in the way that healthcare providers can start to access and engage with these Um, And then really in the way that patients then can embrace these and actually use these in a way that benefits them as they continue and start to really dive into different aspects of their conditions. So what are some of the things that you've been doing? I know you you don't hold a conference of your own, but I have seen you at various conferences last year and, and even this year. So tell me about some of the activities that you have working alongside them. What sorts of things are you organizing and how is that manifesting as an industry body? So this past year, in 2018, one of our main goals within the Alliance was to bring together member companies. And our first six member companies uh, were Welldoc, Achille, Pear, Volentis, Propeller, and Omada Health. So that group started us off in 2018, and our goal was to start to create this idea of an industry definition for a digital therapeutic. Over time, we began to welcome on new member companies, and we closed out 2018 with 25 organizations really dedicated to this idea of defining this industry and creating consistency and cohesion across what we're doing. So while you're right, we as DTA do not host our own industry event We do have a number of partnerships that we've started to establish with other events and then also other organizations similar to ours. So while we are based technically in the United States, we do want to have an international focus. One of the partnerships we've established is with the European Digital Therapeutics Partnership, and their goal is really to educate the individuals within the European Commission around the policy aspects of what digital therapeutics are and how they can benefit the members and the individuals within each of their respective countries. We are continuing to grow our engagement with groups like theirs, um, in addition to some on the provider space and then some in the patient space too. So what we've been doing in 2018 really has been developing this network of like-minded and affiliated types of organizations and groups to ensure that we can really work well with those who will be also touching on digital therapeutics in their own work. In 2019, I foresee us doing a lot more internally in terms of developing working groups that are going to be focused on much more specific issues that will be focused on mapping specific areas and starting to identify solutions from an industry perspective of how we can start to engage more meaningfully with our key stakeholder groups. So you will continue to see DTA members um, and myself and other staff members 
at different industry events than in public events. But I think a lot more of where we're heading right now is going to be more of a curated way of making sure we have the right conversations at the right times with the right people to really deliver our message in a strong, meaningful way. Well, as I mentioned, I really applaud what you're doing in terms of the the global perspective you're bringing to this right from the outset. And I think you've just given a number of ways where people can engage uh, with your organization and with some of your partner organizations to help bring these solutions to bear across the spectrum, whether it's physicians, payers, or the people that we sometimes refer to as patients. And I just wanted to make sure that people know they can go to your website to find out more about membership and a variety of the events and things that you offer. I mentioned the PDF that you have available on the homepage as well. So please do go and download that. We'll have links to all that in the show notes for this episode. Thanks. It's creatively titled Industry Report. So we went really high up there on in terms of creativity for naming that document. Yeah, there's something to be said for clarity <laughs> in, in the communication. So Industry Report, you can get the Industry Report by looking for Industry Report on the Digital Therapeutics Alliance, which is dtxalliance.org if you want to go there directly. Now, before I let you go, I just want to ask you a little bit about who's going to drive the adoption of this. We talked a little bit about pharmaceuticals and the perception there. We've talked about some of the companies that are leading some of the things and some of your partner organizations. Where do physicians and payers and the people we sometimes refer to as patients stack up in this digital therapeutics piece? What's going to help to drive this industry forward? So many things need to happen in order to drive this industry forward. And that really is why we've come together to start to work on this as a joint industry alliance. In terms of those that we discussed earlier that are direct to consumer, their models maybe a little bit more easy to understand in that it's a little bit more traditional of you will go straight to the consumer or straight to an employer, and then they'll give you access to the patients. Whereas a number of these in the OTC and prescription-only space really are going to be incorporated into the traditional healthcare models. So they will be covered by payers and likely could be incorporated into formularies and added into step therapies, utilization management processes, which are a lot of industry-specific terminology in order to say that they will be treated as traditional medications in many regards, how they're processed and paid for and covered. They'll also have to be integrated into healthcare systems in terms of the actual operational components of the medical records and whatnot. But then they'll also have to be adopted by healthcare providers in a way for healthcare providers to be able to prescribe these, they're going to have to be really well educated and understand the data behind these and the value they can bring and the ways that they can either work alongside or, or in place of other medications or traditional therapies. Uh, but really, it comes down to the patients also. When you're looking at a patient perspective, it may be a mind-blowing opportunity to walk into a, your healthcare provider's office and be prescribed a digital therapeutic. First, we have to help explain to patients what this even means and why there's validity to these and why these are safe and effective and of high quality. And then we have to help work through the ideas around how do these actually work alongside of medications. And then one day, assuming you take a patient could take up to five to eight or whatnot number of pills a day, uh, there's a possibility that they could be having prescriptions for three to four to five digital therapeutics. So as an industry, there's so much that needs to happen just to initiate this idea of even what is a digital therapeutic and how it differs from other digital health and digital wellness tools, much less how do we operationalize and scale these. So I have no answers for you today, but I assure you that we're starting to think through all the implications about 
how this will actually come to scale in a relatively short period of time. Well, I applaud your leadership. I thank you for your leadership in this uh, growing and evolving field. I think that the DT Alliance, Digital Therapeutics Alliance, is really doing a great service uh, around the world. And, and it's clear with the membership growth that you experienced in 2018 that there's a, a big need for this. And there's obviously a great conversation to be had as we do pick through all these various issues. Is there anything else you'd like to make sure the audience hears about that I haven't asked you about? I can imagine there are hundreds of things that will come to mind later, but I think (laughs) reinforcing the fact that these products are already in the market, that people will continue to see this area grow. The number of companies that keep approaching me with the fact that they already have their FDA clearance process underway, or they've already done randomized control trials is impressive. And when we started this, Last year, I only knew of a handful of companies in this industry who are going about things in a really robust manner. And now that number continues to increase incredibly fast. So the number of conditions that are being addressed will continue to grow. The creativity in how they're being addressed will continue to grow. Um, The idea that your treatments could eventually be fun to take and you may not even realize you're being treated could be also an interesting thing as opposed to having to take a spoonful of sugar with your medicine to make it go down well. So there's a lot of potential for this industry. And the more conversations we have with people and the more partnerships and relationships we build to build this network up and make sure there's consistency is going to be really important as we really try to ensure really significant scalability in the near future. Well, we're happy to do our part to support everything that you're working on. I look forward to seeing you at other conferences, both in Europe and across the U.S. and anywhere else you might be traveling to. And uh, anything that we can do to help keep our audience informed, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. And uh, consider this platform open to you whenever you have some great insights or information that that you want to share with the audience. I appreciate it. I appreciate your leadership in this space. It's really encouraging to see other groups and other forms of media really starting to understand what the value is here. So I really appreciate your own time here. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for joining me, Megan. Thanks for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to a conversation with Megan Coder, the executive director of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. We're going to be hearing a lot about this space as it accelerates. And I know we have plans to speak to some of the leaders from companies who are innovating in digital therapeutics. Also, if you want to read more about this topic, you can, of course, visit our show notes where we link to the industry report Megan mentioned. You can also check out our blog. We have an article by one of our ambassadors, Alexander Chagnon, who's based in Canada. He's a pharmacist, and he's written about some of his experiences as he's attended conferences that are focused on digital therapeutics. He's attended the DTXDM East Conference last year in New York, and he's been out in California here at the end of February attending the DTXDM West Conference. There's no association between those events and the Digital Therapeutics Therapeutics Alliance, but we were really pleased to have Alexander be invited to attend and represent our podcast at those events. I'd like to hear what you think as well. Send me a message on Twitter at HealthTechDan or tweet the show at DHealthToday. You can also email me the old-fashioned way at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. Grab the show notes to this episode by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 81. And while you're there, check out some of the other great guests we've had on our program. And last thing, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a single show. As always, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep on innovating. Innovating.